This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go beyond the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Philip C. Today, we speak to Ian Yee, co-founder of The Fourth, advisory committee member at the Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting, and most importantly, an investigative journalist. Good morning, Ian. Really nice for you to join us. Give us a sense, right, for us in the public. Our grasp of journalism is typically confined to the newspapers we read. Could you help us contrast how mature and in-depth is Malaysia's investigative journalism ecosystem versus the rest of the region? I think, unfortunately, Malaysia's investigative journalism ecosystem is really quite far back compared to a lot of other countries, even countries within the Southeast Asian region. So I think uh, one thing that uh, a few of my colleagues uh, at the forum they like to say, and some of the co-founders, something that they always like to emphasize, that all in, all journalism should be investigative in nature, right? Mm. We're never just reporting what's what we see. We're, we're not just like, I'm just going to process this press release. You know, the government sends me a press release. I'm going to process it as the gospel truth, right? There is a level of investigation to it, of look, trying to read in between the lines, trying to verify some of the facts and figures that are in that uh, press release. So even as something as simple as, you know, in newsrooms where we say, oh, just processing a press release. Even something as simple as that, it is investigative in nature. But then, of course, there are some uh, topics, there are some issues that require further investigation that require in-depth work. Sometimes, in, uh, in some cases, you know, as we've done before, it requires undercover work, uh, inquire, requires lots of painstaking going through of documentation and finding evidence and, and verifying facts and, and, yep. and things like that. Uh, so that is what t- people would typically refer to as investigative journalism. Lah. And in that in that sense, I think Malaysia doesn't have a lot of it. Uh, we've seen pockets of it uh, emerge from time to time over the past couple of decades. Uh, the Edge did some great work around 1MDB. Um, some of the other cases, like some of the work that my team did at Rage, was was uh, I, I thought they did a fantastic job back then. And of course, I think NST has done some great investigative work here and there as well. But uh, ultimately, to talk about an ecosystem that consistently empowers and supports and funds investigative journalism, I don't think we have that. And I think that has been to the detriment of kind of the democratic freedoms in our country. What does an ecosystem look like? I guess that's the question, right? What does it constitute? Who are the actors? Does the government get involved or not? You know, what takes a vibrant ecosystem? I mean, if I compare and contrast, let's say in the Philippines, where everybody knows about Rappler and Maria Ressa, right? I presume that's some form of investigative journalism and they kind of spearhead the movement there. Can us contrast then what is an ecosystem then? Yeah, I think Philippines is a great example. Indonesia is a great example. So it's not just about having media organizations that commit to investigative journalism. Uh, On their own, in isolation, it's very, very difficult, right? Mm. But you're also talking about maybe legal aid. So like in Indonesia, there are like uh, pro bono lawyers who will, uh, who have made it a point to consistently make themselves available to defend investigative journalists. There are uh, coalitions, uh, the the unions support investigative journalists. There are safety training um, NGOs. So that that creates a whole ecosystem. So it takes an entire, you know, village of people, like proverbial, the proverbial, real village Mm. to make investigative journalism happen. And it's not just that, like even from the media side of things, right? I think Hollywood always 
glamorizes the lone wolf investigative journalists, right? Like on their own, crusading against something, you know, going to the backwaters. And investigative journalism is very, very difficult. It is definitely not a one-man job. It's not a one-person job. It requires a, a whole team of people. And, and by nature, right, you need people to challenge your assumptions. You need mm. people to challenge your biases as you do this investigation because there will be a lot of gray areas as you go along. Even in the media side of things alone, we need to have an ecosystem. We need mm. to have freelancers. We need to have experts. We need to have lots of people providing input and feedback and helping to take the core content and turn it into something that is multimedia, that is you know attractive, that is accessible to the public. So that alone, that in itself doesn't exist, right? Mm. In most newsrooms, uh, let alone the other things like legal aid, like safety training, like, like an, a union. Uh, so Malaysia does not, I think so many of those elements are missing. A lot more to go, a lot more to do, I guess. And when I listen to you, really, the whole premise of investigative journalism means that it will create a bit of discomfort. It provokes you. It makes you want to examine something deeper and create a lot of discomfort throughout the process, right? I mean, that is the crux of the issue. And it's why you need an ecosystem to support each other throughout the process. Is it a dangerous job? I think that's what many people are thinking in the top of their mind. Is a journalist's life in threat when they do investigative journalism here in this part of the world? Unfortunately, with all forms of uh, investigative journalism, and you could argue with journalism in general as well, there is an element of risk, right? You are traveling out there. At the very least, like we are always trained to do risk assessments. And sometimes the, the most mundane things are the ones that we forget. Like, you know, we're always traveling, right? We're always going into areas where other people don't necessarily go and you will face environmental threats. The greatest example of this was when um, our team, at the time when we were at RAGE, we did this investigation on uh, an Orang Asli village where the, the infant mortality rate was just incredibly high. It was at 50%, as high as 50%. So we wanted to see why all these children were dying and there they were reports that it was all a similar illness. So we went into a report on that. And you know, the craziest thing happened, like the village was suddenly attacked by elephants. And it turns out there's this huge problem about human-animal, human-elephant conflict mm. uh, in that area because of a very poorly thought out. But they decided to transfer them to this state park where all these orang asli have been forced to live there and not be nomadic anymore. So obviously there's a high incident of human animal, uh, animal conflict there. So those are the, the, the kind of things that you, it's hard Implicit to mitigate Implicit in for, nature, right? yeah. You can't really pinpoint it and, and attribute it to your work, but you can yeah. sort of. Exactly. So things like that happen. And on top of that, then you're also dealing with then people who wield a lot of power and uh, who are abusing that power. You know, very often investigations involve that. We always see that it, it comes from some kind of power imbalance in a particular community or particular society. And that's where we investigate and try to expose that, right? Mm. So whenever we are dealing with people like that, obviously they want to maintain the status quo, right? They Because it works for them. Uh, they don't want things to change and they don't want people meddling in their business and exposing some of the kind of irregular practices or if not illegal practices. So whenever you do that, there is risk, there is legal risk, there's physical risk. But if we manage the risk properly, if we mitigate risk properly, we should be fine. Again, comes back to the, that's why I always say ecosystem. It, yeah. It's not just about our practices alone as a media organization. It's not just about the journalists themselves taking steps to mitigate risk. Uh, we have to expect that things might happen and you need a broader support system around you. And I want to just build on this ecosystem part and focus on one element, which I think is really critical, which is distribution of the work you do 
in in this current day and age where social media wants everything bite-sized, everything concise, the challenge with investigative journalism is that sometimes you go really into the depth. You really analyze an issue to a point that perhaps many, you know, mass market audience may not really appreciate and understand that. So I guess the question is, you know, when you do your work in investigative journalism, do you need another distribution channel to cite the work, to help synthesize the work so that it actually connects to the broader market? How do you think about the audience and the distribution channels that are put in place to help you convey the work that you've been doing? Well, I think this is not just, this is not really a new problem, right? I think investigative journalism all this while, it's always been in-depth and not everybody, like even if you pick up a, a newspaper every single day back way back when, uh, not everybody's going to read that 5,000 word article, right? Many people are going to scream through, they're going to go to the comic section or do, they'll do the crossword, whatever it is. So I think it's not a new problem, but we see more opportunities. I think at the fourth and at Rage, we all always saw these as opportunities. It's really about then taking the the core, the essence of the, the issues that we're investigating and just translating it into a different medium. I think what I'm most intrigued about now is that when you started your career in investigative journalism and, you know, over a course of period, are you more passionate about the importance of in, of driving that nature of investigation in journalism or are you driven by specific issues and causes? I guess when you speak to a journalist, I presume it's anchored on a specific issue and cause and that, that has an ebbs and flows with time, isn't it? Yeah, we, we try our best not to see it that way, right? especially and, and I do this a lot with younger journalists a lot of times they come in and they're like I'm very passionate about this and this and this yeah. right this issue this issue this issue and uh, I always try to uh, remind them that uh, it's it's not our job to pick and choose what we want to do right like we keep our ear to the ground we keep our finger on the pulse of what's going on and based on that we dis- we we determine what is necessary what is of public interest not necessarily of personal interest but it should be of public interest so I think that would be the much better way to go about it and it'll probably be the more effective way as well if we can determine that something is of public interest more people are going to read that story anyway yeah. right but if you're driven by personal interest perhaps that's something that matters to you but is does not have a as much of an impact on the on broader society doesn't mean it's not important but it is a helpful tool to make sure that your content doesn't make a, a, a an impact but but a trick with a personal interest is that it has embedded biases isn't it when you do this exactly. investigation yeah, so that's always one of the, the pitfalls that when people get in do an investigative piece of work, they tend to apply their own views, they tend to apply emotion to it, and then it loses mm-hmm. its uh, neutrality in the process and perhaps even its credibility from the process. Isn't it? Do you see that as a big problem here with this next generation of investigative journalists then? Unfortunately, I don't see a next generation of investigative journalists <sighs> right now. I, I don't know too many young investigative journalists out there. They're probably mostly my age. I think at youngest, we're like in our 30s now. So it is it is worrying. But yeah, I think given where like content trends are going and, you know, the kind of content people like to consume. Yeah, I do worry that the lack of like media literacy and there are some great programs around media literacy being run by some, some of our partners. Uh, the lack of media literacy in terms of telling people how to identify bias, cognitive biases and mm. um, how to not fall for misinformation 
misinformation and disinformation. Uh, all those are skills that are a bit lacking because of the way social media has become more. It's really about yourself, right? Like you mm. are, everyone is a publisher. Everyone can tell their own stories. And that, that obviously has come with pros and cons. But there is much more of an internal focus now versus looking at diverse opinions and like diverse sources of information. And th- that process of distilling it and coming up with your conclusion, I think that is becoming slightly lost and we need to, to get back to that. So yeah, there are some great programs around it. Huge shout out to our people, to, to the one, the people behind Mile, uh, behind uh, Media Education for All. They're doing some great programs, helping students to, dev- to redevelop those skills. And obviously the fourth, we do run some programs on that as well. We're heading into some messages and when we come back, we continue our discussion with Ian Yi about the challenges of setting up an ecosystem to enable investigative journalism in Malaysia. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Thanks for staying tuned to Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Today on the show, we speak to Ian Yee, co-founder of the 4th Advisory Committee member at the Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting, and most importantly, investigative journalist. Now, Ian, let's talk about the career in being an investigative journalist. You know, presumably, this is an extremely difficult career. Perhaps you could unpack when you decide a story is worth pursuing and when you decide to just give up because you've hit so many dead ends and roadblocks. It's always a long haul thing, you know. We're always we always have at like five at least five or six issues on the board that we're like, you know, we we think there's something there and we're looking into it. It's simmering in the background, but it has yeah, that that kind of like critical mass hasn't happened yet. So sometimes it's it's tough because you have to shelf projects and you know that these projects are important. Mm. You know that these issues are important and, and have re- very real impacts on large communities, right? And you feel like, well, it's already been re- reported before. So the, the the role of daily news journalists or breaking news journalists is super, super important. So I think sometimes we over-glamorize what investigative journalists do, but the work that breaking news journalists do is so super important because they are the ones that are writing that first draft of history when it comes to these issues and we're constantly referring to the work that they do to see whether is there an opening now is there something changing in this particular mm. field where we can then go in and and do a, a really in-depth investigation and make a difference and, and, and make a sort of like a an, an impact so at least for the fourth the way we do it is we we try and see whether we can move the needle we try and see whether we can create some kind of positive impact or progress on that issue and if we can't and it's already been reported on in daily news then maybe it's not the right time for us. I mean, are the issues evolved for you? I mean, since you established the fourth and where you are today, are they very different issues? Or are you still hanging on to the same core issues that they, they don't just change? The stories might change, but the issues remain the same. Yeah. So for us, we've always committed to do investigations on social justice causes, right? Mm. Uh, social justice issues. So I think that's that, that's probably not going to change. I think like from our the times we were doing it, at, uh, we were we were working for Rage until now we've always been very mindful that that's a niche that Malaysia doesn't have like there's obviously even investigative journalism you could say that there are a lot of different disciplines as well right there are like more corporate investigations there are environmental investigations which are very specialized and so on and so forth so for us we look at social justice causes whether it's human rights abuses uh, yeah, refugee rights and you know we've, we've done things on child rights as well so uh, that's probably not going to change anytime soon. I think maybe perhaps the approach we take might be slightly different. We we don't always just use that really hard-hitting investigative undercover approach. In fact, we always say that's the last resort. If there's a way to, to uncover these issues and unpack these issues without going undercover, we will always choose that because, yeah, so if we can find paper, like documentation, paper trails that, that prove the, you know, 
that something's going on, then that's good enough for us. Well, well that's uh, fascinating, yeah. isn't it? Because like you have a project called Project Summer Summer where you try to bring different opinions to the table. Mm. It's it, it doesn't feel investigative in nature, but by in essence also it is because you're bringing different people and exposing different views at the same time, right? And then it creates a lot of depth and texture very fast. Well, one thing we always we're always mindful of is to have a kind of good diet of different types of content for our audience. And also because investigative work, sometimes it, I think our longest investigation took like 14 months, 15 months. So in the meantime, we, we still have to, you know, release regular content, right? We still have to make sure that something is going out there. So we do come up with different series and different projects. So we do a lot of explainer content, for example, and we do some human stories as well. So we profile interesting people or inspiring people. And uh, one great idea we had was Project Sama Sama. So that, that, that's why we do projects like that. But we always feel that it still comes back to the same core issues or core values. Uh, so in this case, it's around social justice issues, right? We asked these six people, three, uh, you know, three of them who oppose, who are opposed to a current issue, and three who are in, you know, who agree. So ba- yeah, basically, there are six people from different ends of the spectrum, and uh, try to help them reach a common understanding with just really simple, empathetic conversation tools. So it's not investigative in nature, but it's still, it's still, uh, it still to probes into an issue, right? It still addresses an issue that you are passionate about. In a way, I guess, yeah. Not that you mentioned it. Yeah, you should help us market this. <laughs> You're doing a much better job than we are. Uh, but yeah, definitely in a way, yeah. Having conversations. I guess it's still, uh, from my perspective, I wouldn't necessarily see it that way. But I, I, I definitely think, uh, and this is just me perhaps being a pedantic journalist, right? Mm. Like when we think about something that's investigative, it's rarely opinion driven, right? It's rarely about, oh, so what do you think about this issue? It's normally about really uh, coming up with hard evidence of, of some of you know some kind of wrongdoing or some kind of uh, issue that the people might not know about we done we we do the homework we using you know standards that are accepted you know around the world to verify as best as we can something that is going on and to then communicate that to the public whereas sama sama it's really about it's really it's slightly different traje- trajectory it's about getting people to talk and to share their thoughts okay. and opinions uh, but more importantly it's really an exercise in showing people that uh, news media does not always have to be confrontational like discussions about topics Can be civil. You don't, you, yeah you don't necessarily need to have yeah. that cnn style like uh screaming match in order to mm. have interesting tv right you can have people come together and the point of it is not to have conflict it's not to have an argument yeah. it's really to have a to have a conversation and one that ends civilly and ends with empathy. Uh, so that's that, that's Project Sama Sama. And I just want to give you an opportunity to talk a bit about the fourth and just tell our listeners, right, what are the biggest social injustices that Malaysia needs to address right now? What do we need to create mm-hmm. and find stories to shine a light on, right? In your view, right, if we had an opportunity to right wrong in Malaysia, right, what are the social injustices we need to right wrong? There are just so many things, you know. Uh, I think corruption is definitely one of them. Like, that's something that affects society on so many different levels. Um, there's so many people who whose lives could have been improved if uh, corruption was not so rampant. Uh, we struggle for no reason, and that, that, always, that always bothers us. And aside from corruption, I think another big thing that 
at least personally and you know in the team what we've always found is uh, xenophobia is another big issue here how people are afraid of others who are different from them mm. and worried that these people who are different who have different interests will then uh, affect my interests mm. that their rights are going to affect my rights you know mm. by giving it so we always that's something in that is always a consistent theme in our work whatever we investigate in we try to make sure that there's that element of of open conversation there's the element of inclusivity and diversity so these values i think hopefully are shining through in a lot of the work that we do aside from yeah so for example even when we talk about you know we did a project way back when for somebody else on drug trafficking right it's not really just about demonizing certain communities or these you know yeah uh these drug trafficking syndicates and these recruiters are terrible and they're horrible but we also look into why it's happening we also look into why how these communities end up becoming vulnerable to these issues uh and why these recruiters end up be, yeah the, the 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 pathway you know that that sees them go into a life of crime and things like that so it's it's all about having that kind of very balanced inclusive storytelling as well to show people that there's there's it's never us versus them mm. so we think that's that's incredibly important so we always try to say human rights is not a pie it's not like if i give a slice away of it there's less for me right mm. there's enough you know everybody can have rights in fact by giving more rights to other people we are expanding our lives rights yeah we yeah. are expanding everybody's rights right. together so that's the sooner i think we understand that uh the better off everybody will be in malaysia That was Ian Yee, co-founder of the Fourth Advisory Committee member at the Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting, as we had a conversation with him about investigative journalism. This has been Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Coming up next is the 10 a.m. News Bulletin, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.